Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. International trade or business dispute resolve faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. Target posting holiday sales growth that topped analyst estimates, boosted by a surge in online orders. So the retailer's heavy reliance on discounts took a toll on profit during the season. Shares are up seven-tenths percent in early trading. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew says the U.S. wants a more serious commitment from other G20 countries to use monetary policy, fiscal measures, and structural reforms to stoke demand. Lou made the comments in an interview this morning on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Countries that have big economies, regions that have big economies, they need to use policy tools. So, you know, when China looks at what can it do, it has to look at how does it stimulate consumer demand. When Europe looks at its tools, it looks beyond monetary policy, but it asks what can it do with fiscal policy as well. And Lou said when Group of 20 finance chiefs meet this week in China, the U.S. will be pushing for a firmer commitment by nations not to try to boost their economies by depreciating their currencies. S&P E-mini futures are down 17 points this morning. Dow E-mini futures down 153. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 50. The DAX in Germany is down 2.4 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds. The yield 1.68 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 3 percent or 97 cents to $30.88 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.9 percent. Or twenty-two dollars sixty cents to twelve forty-five twenty an ounce. The euro a dollar oh nine nine five. The British pound a dollar thirty-nine twenty-nine. The yen one eleven point seven four. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you so much. It is, folks, eight forty-nine on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Megan McArdle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Bernie Sanders is something new, a Democratic candidate who's not pretending to represent the party of fiscal responsibility and balanced budgets. That's always been more hype than reality. Obama's consistently run bigger deficits than Bush, even after the financial crisis ended. But Sanders has dropped even the act. His policy proposals are full of the sorts of frankly unbelievable numbers that would make a con man blush, from doubling the growth rate to cutting health care costs while making coverage more generous. Four former members of the Council of Economic Advisors under Democratic administrations recently penned a scathing open letter about the Sanders fairytale promises. They lamented that this would undermine their efforts to make the Democrats the party of evidence-based policy. Unfortunately, the only people who seem to have read it are other wonks. The idea of Democrats as the party of technocrats came in with Clinton, and it looks likely to go out with his wife. Technocratic projection is fine for modest proposals, but it fails in the face of revolutionary promises. The younger generation of Democrats, the future of the party, isn't looking to be told that they can do 4.276% better under a Democrat than under a Republican. They're looking for the kind of transformational change that Sanders promises, and they're bound to be impatient with wonks who demand that they provide a detailed analysis of a future that doesn't yet exist outside of their dreams. I'm Megan McArdle. For more of you, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Some stability to the market off of rockiness two hours ago. Futures negative 17. Michael? Diane Swank is with us. She is yes. the uh, the founder, chief cook and bottle washer uh, of uh, DS Economics out in yes. Uh, Illinois. In Chicago. Uh, in, in Chicago. In Chicago. Uh, where, have you had a winter? 
Uh, almost. Not as bad as, as – it's supposed to snow today, so we'll have it back today. If, if there's Give no, us a day, it comes back, and then it leaves again. If right. there's no winter in Chicago, then there's no winter anywhere. And that <laughs> that is – Storm Jonah hit the East Coast. You guys had some Well, snow. first of all, on this program, we do not buy into the Weather Channel's self-promotion efforts. We just call it the storm. We don't give it a name. Oh, okay. But it, it, it lasted 24 hours. <laughs> the snow was yeah, I know. so you know, I know. And it's 50 degrees and raining here today. But my yeah. point is, is the last two years we have had uh, to Hold downgrade GDP forecasts because the first quarter weather was so terrible. And now it's not. Yeah, and it was. Actually, yeah, we uh, and, and so, you know, um, we're looking at uh, a first quarter that is going to be not just stronger, but it looks like much stronger than people had anticipated. Um, we're looking at, well, we're looking a little north of 2%. Some people are a little stronger than that. We think the consumer is certainly out there pulling its might. Even with discounts, they are savvy consumers. I think, you know, one thing I want to go back to is that the U.S. economy, we have a consumer that is in better shape than it was. And that's helping the economy's immune system not to be affected by the ills that are um, infecting Wall Street. So Main Street is a little stronger with a better immune system now, and I think that's very important. But going back to the Fed a minute, something that, that Tom said, and that's that, you know, I don't believe in this all this soft stuff and all this touchy-feely stuff. Let's, let's face it. Central banks are only as good as their perception in the market and their credibility. Um, what they can really do, most of their impact is on the announcement effect, um, not on what they actually can do in the market all the time. And I think especially when you're so close to zero and you've got so little wiggle room, credibility really matters. And I'm really concerned that the Fed's communications mm-hmm. need a reset button. I really think the Fed has given up on things like forward guidance, which I think are important. And you might be surprised at this. Is Even though I think the Fed will only raise rates twice this year, June and December, um, and I think that's all that's necessary. I think inflation that we saw the recent heating up of inflation. I actually think we we have an argument as long as we avoid recession that we will see a little hotter than inflation on the core level than many people expect because we've got wages accelerating and no productivity growth and that's tinder for a little bit of inflation. We could use it. It's okay. But I think those things are all important to keep in context. But the Fed's communications really do matter, and they're not getting it. What I'm do they, sorry. What, what, do, they, what, they, do, what do they say? How, how they, do they, they change it? They keep changing it. Yeah, that's the problem. They keep testing the waters. And, you know, um, you know, forward, okay, it's an experimental process. But what, in theory, the Fed is trying to do now is they want to say, in theory, nothing's predetermined. We want to reinsert uncertainty into the market. We want to say that we don't know our predetermined path. At the same time, they're saying that. At the beginning of the year, they're saying, but we're also saying, looks like every other meeting. How is that not that we're going to raise rates? How is that not forward guidance? It is. So they need to come to terms with what are they going to say. Now, in their minutes, it looks like they're starting to talk about, and I'm not sure this helps because I think more information is actually TMI, um, and we're sort of, we've seen too much right. of the, the kitchen, <clears throat> the back and oh. stuff before the food comes out all pretty and nice. <clears throat> but they're talking about, talking okay. about ranges of um, how they're going to think about the Fed right. funds rate. Some may go negative. I don't think that's going to help. Uh, I Diane, think they need to simplify. And Diane Swank stands a smart guy derivatives. He likes us to keep his name private, but he writes sharp notes. He links Fed action, the Diane Swank world, simply to where oil's going. Is there any framework of adjustment or expectations if oil finds a new level modestly below where it's been? On West Texas, $30.87. If oil gets to a 2950 stasis, have we adjusted for that? 
You know, it's, well, I think we've over-adjusted, but um, that's uh, an issue. It's interesting. Oil prices falling in a global economy that is a net consumer of oil used to be a positive thing. Ben Bernanke actually had a very good blog on exactly. um, looking at oil prices and this weird correlation we have that falling oil prices are now bad. And why is that? Because people are using oil prices as a proxy for global economic growth. And we know this is at the same time that we know some of the reason oil prices are so low is because we have – a lot, a lot of production in the world, more production than we ever had, including in the United States. In fact, even though we've cut investment dramatically, shale production has actually fallen very little. So we're still producing a lot of oil. So there's a supply glut that's exacerbating these perception issues. And I think it's the wrong way. I think people are not are, are, are entangling too many things. I think there's a lot going on with oil. I think one of the reasons you've not seen more consumer spending from the fall in oil prices, we have actually seen some food services and accommodation, the most discretionary thing you can spend out there, 2015, the strongest year since 2000. You can't tell me that wasn't oil-related. On the flip side of it, we don't have the accelerant we once did for good reason. Credit is not the accelerant to falling oil prices, nor the mitigator to rising oil prices that it once did. Access to consumer credit is much lower than it was in the past for good reason. Credit card usage in this country is down at 1994 as a share of GDP levels. That is unwinding all of the expansion in credit card of the 1990s. So we don't have some of the relationships with oil that we once did, and I think people simplify the oil story far too much. But, of course, that's how markets think. They're thinking in black and white, and here we're trying to paint a color story. So uh, bottom line, we've been asking this question. Uh, Jack Lou says there's no crisis. Is there, is there a crisis? There's no crisis yet, and we don't want it to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And part of doing that is the Fed communicating better and also looking to Main Street because we're now shifting a baton. Wall Street has carried this economy for some time. It's time to broaden it out and shift a baton and hand it to Main Street, and I think they can carry it now. They're um, not super fast runners on Main Street yet, and we're still recovering, but our immune system is better, and we're up there, and we're moving again. And I think that's critically important, understanding the economy in 2016. Dan Swamp, DFC Economics, thank you for joining Very us. Good. That's uh, great. I hope, really they, I hope they don't get too much snow there. I've been, <clears> you know, it, yeah. It's a little reassuring if they are actually going to have a little I, winter. I, in I think it's their whole Michigan background, or maybe it's that White Sox-Cubs wackiness out of Chicago but she has a beautiful way of finding the middle ground between the polarities of conversation, which I greatly respect. I think it's harder. It's easy to take an angle or a belief one way. It's harder to find the nuances in between. She yeah. does that very, very well. Sterling does it well off of a horrific European and London morning. 138.80, I believe, is where we got to. Stronger sterling in the last hour, 139.38. U.S. futures, stasis here, negative 16. Dow futures, negative 144. No stasis here. We're dynamic. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.